0: When I first thought about veganism, I thought hippies straight up just like sitting in a forest doing LSD and dreads, dirty, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that conversation has changed. Now we have people in all sorts of different avenues. You have athletes and stuff that are performing really well. You have celebrities and musicians. And we have like those really popular documentaries that have blown up, like what the health. Like, I, I mean, I'll find out people who are vegan that, I, that I've followed on YouTube for a really long time for some other subject. And then I comment and they're like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm vegan too, man. That's really cool. And I'm like, see, that's what's up. Vegans are everywhere. And they're just regular ass people. You didn't even know were vegan. It's just that a lot of the loud ones are the ones you hear the the most, right? Because they're the loudest. You don't have a mindset change by someone telling you that you're wrong because your ego just throws up a wall. And so I feel like, at least for me, the best way to change people to getting interested in veganism, actually turning vegan, is just to be a normal guy that they look up to. And then they're like, and he's also vegan. He seems pretty normal. I like him. So maybe I'll try it.
1: That's Brian Turner. And this is the Proof Podcast. Friends, here we go back together again. I hope you've had an incredible, inspiring week. It's great to have you back with me today. For new listeners, my name is Simon Hill, physiotherapist, currently finishing my master's in nutrition and host of this show, The Plant Proof Podcast. Each week, I get to sit down with super cool folks from all walks of life, doctors, nutritionists, athletes people who have overcome chronic illness and so much more to have conversations that can hopefully help all of us become more mindful and conscious of the way that we live. In today's episode, I sit down with vegan bodybuilder and an absolute character, someone who really inspires me, Brian Turner. Brian is one of my favorites when it comes to creating content online to uplift and inspire people to live a plant-based lifestyle. He does it in such a lighthearted and welcoming manner and does so with an incredible amount of energy. But beneath the humor lies a young man that has learned some invaluable life lessons. Having battled cystic acne from the age of 15, Brian has so much to share when it comes to bullying, self-love, and above all, developing a positive mindset in times when that may seem absolutely impossible. All right, friends, let's jump into this and hear from Brian Turner. Hope you enjoy, see you on the other side. Turner or Brock Lee, I should say. <laughs> Welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here, mate. I've been wanting to do this this podcast for a while, and I'm glad that we've been able to catch up and do it in in person. And I've said to you a number of times, you are you are a real character of this space and someone that brings so much positivity. So it's it is great to connect in person because you get you just get that deeper level of connection and you can see the emotion and feel it. But from the top, thank you so much for the positivity that
0: you bring to this space. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. You're always you're always really positive about what I'm doing and stuff. Like you're really behind the broccoli thing in the world news. Oh, uh, the bro- the broccoli thing
1: is absolutely genius. Why don't we just from <laughs> from the top talk 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 me through and the listeners through this alias of broccoli and <laughs> and how that came about and and why you're doing it and what you sort of have
0: planned for this world of vegan news segment that you're doing. Yeah, man. I mean, top level is just, there's a character that I created called Broccoli. It's kind of based on like, if people have seen Anchorman, you know, Ron Burgundy real cheesy, kind of like 70s, 80s vibe. And it's just like a funny newscaster who's giving the news. But, you know, the news is really freaking boring. <laughs> so it's like this comedy satirical thing. But yeah, it, it covers all the world vegan news. This happened each like two, three weeks, but in a fun way, because I just feel like content gets boring, man. Especially like when you're talking about such a, a niche, you know, like veganism, like it's a lot of informational, educational stuff. And I'm like, here's here's some uh, slapstick, you know, just taking the piss out of it. Yeah, it's a, I, I love it. I think it's a, it's a
1: really nice way to take some of that seriousness out of the
0: conversation. Hey, man. Make it a little bit lighthearted and it's yeah. fun and it's inviting. Right, man. I and mean, I follow a lot of like um, cryptocurrency YouTube channels and a lot of them do this kind of news version where they have like that cheesy news music in the background and then when you say something funny man you cut the music you s- <laughs> scoop the the video right in you crop right on the face and you say something really goofy like last episode i, I called the the queen of england she's she looks like uh, emperor palpatine <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just remember. threw that in there and it's just fun because yeah like i said it, it gives a little bit of uh, some entertainment value to the educational side of the vegan world yeah yeah well i look forward to seeing. thanks it. baby grows from here yeah it's gonna
1: it's gonna do good now, we're in Los Angeles, but you're, you're from San Diego, right? Yeah, born and raised. Born and raised down there. So tell, explain to me, you know, where in San Diego you grew up, what life was like, you know, were you part of a typical family? Were you interested in, in exercise and health and nutrition, you know, as a kid?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, I was born and raised in San Diego in a place called like El Cajon La Mesa area. So it's kind of inland from the beach, maybe like 20 minutes. Yeah, born and raised in the same house. I was homeschooled, which is kind of like a weird thing, right? So like a lot of people would just like go straight into public school. I was homeschooled all the way up until I was 13 years old. So I didn't have like a lot of social interaction with other kids. So I was kind of like lacking in the social department. But at the same time, my family was like really trying to make me successful and do like good things instead of just letting me choose whatever. So they would like, uh, if I was interested in a sport, they would really get excited and push me towards it so i started playing soccer at, i think four or five and i continued playing all the way up until i was 16 and i was like gonna go to a semi-pro team and stuff and that was kind of the same time that i just started bodybuilding so i switched over from a, from a soccer mindset with like my goal being to be on a pro team eventually to like i love bodybuilding so much i just stopped soccer and went to bodybuilding yeah wow <laughs> yeah you you actually started bodybuilding pretty young right Yeah, yeah so i was 15 when i first lifted up a weight and just like fell in love with it bro what was the
1: inspiration behind that? Did you like see a pro bodybuilder or watch a documentary or movie or was it
0: Arnold or... Sorry, yeah, everyone, everyone's <laughs> always like, it was Arnold, man. Uh, for me, my brother came in, he had been doing CrossFit for like two weeks. So legitimately like no gains, but in my little, you know, my 14 year old mind, I saw him and he just had like a little vein pop out of his bicep while he's standing there. And I was like, man, what'd you been doing? You look good. <laughs> but then I was like, my competitive side broke in and I was like, I can't let my bigger brother be bigger than me, man. So I'm gonna start hitting the gym. And then I was like, you know, that first week, the first... Sec- first and second week you start to see like little bumps come up on your body and you get all excited yeah and that was it for me yeah That's i mean the, the improvements when you first hit the gym are huge right it's awesome man <laughs> it's such a it's such gains. instant reward right you <laughs> do something and it gets better so yeah. you just got to keep doing it and just keep trying to do it more yeah, yeah it's, it's, dick, very, it's very motivating yeah, yeah man and then all of a sudden you're like oh shoot i'm six years in i'm seven years in holy crap I've done this for a long time it becomes a lifestyle right it's wonderful bro i love it
1: so talk me through what about nutrition as a kid. So when you when you were
0: homeschooled and even into high school, what was your diet like at that stage? Yeah, I was super terrible. I, I grew up on like um, like bagel bites and like little pizza rolls and stuff and like like freezer food and stuff like that. It was like maybe a little bit of some like whole whole foods kind of stuff, I guess like pastas and stuff here and there, but mostly my mom's not like a huge chef or nothing like that, and I was just eating whatever was was, was in the freezer or whatever, right? So I didn't really eat that really super well, and then I got into high school definitely wasn't eating really well until I got into bodybuilding. And then you go online and you research everything because you want to do the best you possibly can, right? So you like look at every avenue and nutrition is one of those ones. And so, like, I guess it kind of cleaned up in terms of not eating, like, freezer food as much. I started making my own food. But the, the unfortunate thing was that at the time in the bodybuilding world, because there wasn't all these YouTube channels and stuff. It was just, like, bodybuilding.com articles. There was a thing called the gallon of milk a day diet. Yeah, it's just called GoMad. Wow. Yeah. gallon man. of milk. Bro. We've got to talk about challenges soon because you've done a few challenges. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's go through this gallon of milk idea. Have you ever heard of this before? I haven't. So this was big back in the day. I don't know why it was, but it was just like the, the idea is if you drink a gallon of milk, plus you eat whatever you're already eating and you're someone who can't gain, you will start gaining because a gallon of milk is like 2000 some cal- calories. Right? Yeah, that's going to tip you right into a calorie surplus. Bruh. So I was just downing milk all the time. And, then, you know, of course, all you get the whey protein, you get the mass gainers and stuff because you're trying to get as much protein as possible. And, you know, back in the day, I was like two grams per pound of weight. You don't need any of that, right? So I was just pounding myself with milk and stuff, and and that's when my acne like really started like coming up. In the beginning, was just that that milk, but I didn't know dairy was such a big cause of it. So, anyways, yeah, just like I guess long story short, because we'll get into that later. And yeah, stuff, yeah, it's just it, it went from being like unhealthy to in my mind it was being healthy, right? Because I thought I was going to get gains, and I thought that was a healthier way to eat, but really it was just as unhealthy because I was just pounding all this yeah. like was process. Was your brother doing a similar thing with his diet? Like no, he kind of like, a, he was in the CrossFit, but then he kind of stopped. He, he, he didn't really care anymore. And then he came back way later when he started seeing my he, gains. He, <laughs> it was a full circle, bro. A little bit of rivalry. Yeah. It's always good. You know it is. Is he is he your only sibling? Uh, no, I have two half brothers. So that, yeah, they're both half brothers, but you know, I just call them my full brothers. And then I have a sister. Okay.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned acne then, right? So that was what, when you were
0: 15, 16, 17, around then? Yeah, exactly. 15 through 17 was like, as it started getting worse, 17, 18 was when it was full blown, you know? So,
1: so talk me through that journey, I guess. It, when, it, when it first started, was it something that happened relatively quickly, like overnight, out of nowhere? Had
0: anyone else in your family experienced this? So like my, my brothers had had acne, um, but it was kind of like the normal amount of high school acne, you know? It feels like it's a lot but it's it's just like kind of moderate. And so I kind of already had like a little bit of acne going into bodybuilding, but really like it, it was eating so many calories and just dousing myself with whey protein and stuff like that. And so over the course of, you know, the first two years of lifting and trying to get more and more calories in, I was ending up somewhere around like 4,500 to 5,500 calories a day. Wow. Like I said, like 400 grams or more of whey or casein, some sort of dairy derived. That's a protein. lot of calories at Bro. 15, 16, 17. It's a skinny I mean, little dude. That's a lot of calories now. <laughs> a lot of calories, man. And especially when that's the source of your acne and you're just pounding more and more and more. So yeah, by the time I was like uh, 17, 18, 19, like I was, I had really bad cystic acne. So cystic acne, for people who don't know, it's kind of like a, if you had like a marble under your skin, you know, it's a really hard, large nodule thing, right? And so to have like four or five at any time on my face, plus all the whiteheads, the redness and then the blackheads and stuff. So like when I was in high school, you know, kids are pretty brutal. They haven't gone through anything themselves. That's really difficult. So it's hard for them to have any empathy towards someone else. So there's a lot of bullying. Bro, it was was terrible, right? Because it's just like, you know, the typical like pizza face, crater face, all that kind of stuff. So you were having to deal with that like, you know, every day, every week kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Was that, that must have been tough. Like, did you at any stage not want to turn up and go to school?
0: I don't know, man. So it, it was definitely really tough. Like I said before, I was super lucky because my parents, really supportive people, they always pushed me to do something that I was excited about and just they were like really encouraging. So I already had soccer when I went into school. So anytime things were going kind of crappy for me in school, I was like, okay, yeah, but I got practice tonight. I have an indoor game on Friday. Like that's more important to me. And then bodybuilding took over. So every time that I was really getting overwhelmed because I was like, man, from seven in the morning until two in the afternoon, it's all these terrible things happening. Then I'd remember. But from three until 10, I can focus on bodybuilding, making my videos, like all the stuff that actually matters to me. So none of these people's opinions really hold that much weight. But definitely there were certain points that I like, it got really crappy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember one day I showed up to school and like, it just like everything just like stacked, right? Like the the kids that I hang out with before school started, just all were like, like raking on me. And then one kid, one of my like best friends came up and just like poked my nose, which had like a big cyst. So they're like, call me Rudolph and stuff because he's got the red nose, right? And then I had some, my class. It was like the second period or something. I had a speech that I was supposed to give that day. And that was the day, of course, that like I had this red one come up on my nose. And like as I'm walking up, I'm hearing people talking about my acne. And I'm like, I'm hearing this, but then I'm also supposed to like have this fake confidence because I'm about to give a speech. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's hard, man. Bruh. That's so hard for a kid. Like, I mean,
1: how did you learn to sort of deal with that? I mean, that that's... That's obviously something you look back on now and and you must have learned a lot from that. And and I know that you
0: give advice to a lot of people, you know, that find themselves in a similar situation now. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, there's so many different like angles to the advice that I give, right? Because I feel like they're all little mini lessons that add up. I'd say like, because I made a video one time, I was like, acne is my greatest blessing. And it sounds like so crazy to say that, but it's really good, man, because when I see someone who has acne scars on their face, it makes me immediately think, ah that person's had acne. So they've had to go through the hardship that I've gone through. I know that they think in a similar way that I have, or they have a little bit more empathy than the average person, because they know what it's like to have something that you don't want, but there's no way to get rid of it, at least, you know, unless you've figured it out over time. So yeah, I don't know, man. The thing I always say for people is when you're faced with this really hard thing like obesity or disfiguration or acne or something like that is really find what makes you happy, what your passion is. And then, like I said just a minute ago, like when you have a passion, it's really hard for all the white noise, all this people's opinions that have no effect on your actual passion being able to be executed. It's 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 hard to care about what, what they're saying when you have that passion to look at. And that's so much more important to you.
1: And I've I've heard you also mention, which I thought was pretty helpful, that you
0: are a strong believer in not retaliating yeah. for the bullying. Yeah, man. I feel like you're subconscious, right? Like the words you say and the things that you think and the way that you allow yourself to be manipulated by things that happen to you and in, in the world, I feel like when you allow it to be negative talking, that bounces around your subconscious and you're, you start to like develop a negative reaction to everything, right? So if you never allow yourself to like go into that space and you always have some sort of a silver lining, I feel like you're subconscious, right? It's like 90% of your brain power is not utilized. And like, like, for example, so this is what I always say to people, like, you know, when you're trying to think of a, an actor from a movie and it's not hitting you and you're just like, what was that guy's name? And then 10 minutes down the line, you're not thinking about it anymore. And all of a sudden it hits you and you're like, oh, it was this. It's because your subconscious keeps thinking once you've set the task for your subconscious, right? And so for me, I'm always like, if I can keep my subconscious thinking on, everything's going to be better. Everything's going to be good. Everything's going to work out. Then that's what my subconscious is tasked with, and that's what it's going to try to do with every little mini action that I'm doing, even subconsciously, right? Yeah, that's cool. I love so, it. Yeah, that's why yeah, I kind of like approach it, man. There's no there, like what's 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 going to happen when you react negatively. What yeah. what good's going to come to you? I mean,
1: there there is no place for bullying, though, right? Like right. It, it it is a really nasty thing, and particularly for kids. You know, kids are just trying to work out who they are, and yep. and, and quite impressionable and vulnerable. What do you, do you have any advice for, you know, someone listening who may be witnessing bullying, so may not actually be the be mm. victim of bullying, but may be witnessing it and any
0: strategies that they could perhaps employ? Yeah, man. I, I don't think you can really change the bully too often. It's kind of hard to do that. Usually the bullying comes from a reason, right? That person has a really bad home life or something like that. They're just trying to purge their negative energy on you or bring you down so they don't feel like you have a better life than them, right? So I feel like not not approaching the bully because a lot of people are like, you shouldn't do that. You're telling the bully, like, you shouldn't be mean. It's like, that bully's not going to care, right? But instead, like it would have been really nice for me if somebody saw that people were bullying me and then they were like, oh, I'm a, I'm a just go hang out with him and see if like we become friends or something like that. Because as soon as I started developing little circle groups of friends that I could go to when this group of friends was being weird, or I just found out that these people weren't kind of like the, the way I wanted to hang out with, I wasn't forced to hang out with them anymore. I was able to have these other people. So I guess just like being available as a friend so that that person doesn't feel trapped to be friends with this person who's bullying them because mm-hmm. now they have you who's another friend who's actually a, a nice person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I th- I think it's also important, I guess to to also look within if you're finding that potentially what you're doing is bullying right because sometimes things can start as a joke it's it true man start light hearted right mm-hmm. and particularly in school situations but there becomes a point where the jokes go too far
0: yeah well it's so it's so true man like we all want to paint our picture as if like, you know, we were the perfect person and people were mean to us, but like, yeah, I was bullying people too. Now that I think back on it, but it's just because you're a developing mind. You don't know like how things are and stuff. So it's okay to make fun of people because that's just what people do right now about whatever it is, you know, this gender or this like uh sexual orientation, or whatever. That's just what everybody's doing. Right. And then you have to think like, you know, is that the same thing that I'm complaining about, but just a different angle? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean that, speaks to the the point that you made earlier that you're thankful for the acne because it's yeah. given you that perspective exactly man I've, I'm, I'm super glad that i went through acne even though it was like the toughest thing ever man it made me the person i am today yeah yeah I, I, I wore glasses in in uh, primary school yeah did you get picked
1: on for so it? i had a similar I, yeah you know what i did get picked on at various times i was yeah. pretty resilient yeah um and I also I at one stage I wore whilst playing basketball I wore these like goggles. Oh yeah, I remember that. Like Horace Grant, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there was comments and things, and I think that gave me perspective as well in terms of I know how that I felt in that situation, and that gave me a bit of perspective with regards to how I spoke to other people and yeah, and try try and always put yourself in their shoes and and have some empathy because it's very, very easy to, to, to make a kid feel really lost, unwelcome and sad. And, uh, you know, I just, I just don't really think there's a place for that.
0: Yeah. And it seems insignificant to you when you're not dealing with a thing, right? Yeah. So like someone might've just been like, yeah, this kid looks so weird with the glasses. Yeah, yeah. But then if that kid had glasses on, he'd be like, man, I wish people would stop talking about my freaking glasses. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always like a little problem until it happens to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then you get that perspective. You start treating everyone's problem as, as something real because it is everything to them. Yeah. So yeah. talk me through the, the management of your acne. So
1: did you see any sort of medical experts and have any you know medications I know there's like medications popular ones like um, aracatain or whatever it's called mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I had some friends on that when when I was growing up or did you start looking at your diet
0: how did that evolve? Yeah. So like I said, like 15 was when I started lifting It got really bad by 17, 18. That was during high school. And at the same time I was starting to get into YouTube and I really, I really like decided like, this is what I want to do. It's going to take a really long time, but this is what I want my end goal to be is I want to be successful on YouTube. And like my beginning thing was just talking about fitness and stuff like that. Right. So I put up a video about diet or like best way to do this chest workout or something like that. Right. But then every comment would only be about my acne. And I'm like, dang, I just put so much effort into showing you, you know, how carbohydrates work or something. And then it's just like, wow, look at this kid's acne or like, oh, look at this volcano face telling us how to use BCAAs or whatever. Right. And so I just got irritated because I was like, man, this is what I want to do. This is what I want with my career. But no one's actually watching the content. They're just talking about my face. So I realized like, there's like a certain part of it that was like vain, I guess Like I wanted to get rid of it for me, but more so I think it was like, I'm not going to be able to be successful Until this clears up, or at least is mostly clear Yeah, you wanted to get your message through Right, man, which, which kind of sucks that that's how it is But like with social media, it's all first impressions, man And so if you can make a good first impression, you can then open the door and get your message across or whatever. But yeah, so by the time I was um, 19, 20, I was a couple of years into maybe three or four years into YouTube and I was like, I was really loving it. And I had started getting some traction, but I just, again, was trying everything. So I had gone to the doctor and, and, you know, asked him what we could do. And we did the antibiotics. We did like doxycycline and minocycline and we did like the ointment, which is called Retin-A. Like, pretty much just everything that he could throw at me before you got to Accutane. Because, like, as most people know, that's, like, the last thing you should do for your acne, right? That can really affect your mood, right? Bro, yeah. You know, Accutane was actually developed as a chemotherapy drug originally? Yeah, wow. Yeah, for cancer. Not even for acne, but then they found out that it shuts your... So that's, like, the last resort. Yeah, man. So I tried everything until then. And then it, it just, nothing was working. Literally, not even a little bit of alleviation. And were doctors talking to you about your diet? No, that man. no. That's the annoying thing is because I was like asking, what what other things are there? What other factors? Like, you know, is it something I eat or something? And they would always say no. But I found out now that it's just out of their scope of practice to be able to talk about diet because they're not nutritionists or dietitians, So they're just supposed to not talk about it. Yeah. So then he got me on Accutane and we did a really long course, probably like one of the largest courses most people have done. It's, uh, I did 74 weeks. Usually they're like at most, was 20 30 weeks something like that so it was like double and then also like the dosage usually people are doing like 20 40 micrograms and i uh, got up to like 240 wow so i was taking like 10 times the dose for two times that, was that under their guidance yeah. yeah yeah he kept being like this is way higher than i've ever done so as long as you understand the risks i'm willing to do it but it is dangerous this is way more than we <laughs> usually do and and what was the progress like it, nothing happened for so long. That's why I kept ramping it up, man. So we were at like week 30, 40, and still hadn't seen any improvements. So we kept ramping and ramping until I got to the 2 to 240 or something like that. And then around like week 50 through 70 was like when it started clearing up. By the week 70, it, I actually had cleared up. And then I got off and I was stoked. I finally did this thing, man, like Accutane, so many side effects. You're bleeding, you know, your lips are cracking whenever you smile. It draws you out, right? Yeah, man. Your eyes are so sensitive. You go out in the sun for like literally 10 seconds. You can feel your skin start to burn. So you're always covering up. Everything's like gnarly. Your back is all like tight. Your joints are all like stiff. Things hurt. And uh, so I was just stoked to finally get done with it, man. The mission is over. And then like eight weeks later, bro, it started coming back cystic acne again, bro. And it was because I hadn't been told about the dairy. And at the time I was really like into the fitness industry of YouTube. So I had companies just sending me like protein bars, like Quest would send me boxes of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd, so I'd just be eating them and stuff and, and it caused cystic acne. Around uh, the last like 10, 15 weeks of the treatment, my doctor had finally mentioned that some of his clients had seen improvements by removing whey protein, specifically some of their like lifting clients. But he didn't say dairy, he just said whey protein. So I took that, took the way out and saw some improvements. Uh, and like went to like a, a, a pea protein or something at that stage? Or? I went to an egg protein. Cause like, okay. I don't know why, man, but we're always, when you're not vegan, right? You're always just like, well, I just need to get that animal. I need that meat or the something. The bio- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <It> What's closest <laughs> to whey without being whey? Uh, yeah, so I saw improvements with with that last piece of Accutane. And then I cleared up, then I got back on the protein powders and stuff. And then I got the cystic acne back. And then I was like, okay, so it has to be this dairy stuff. And so I took the pro- protein powders out. I figured if whey is made from dairy, take the milk out, take every like powder ingredient, everything, just go 100% dairy free. Saw huge improvements, no more cysts. After like maybe 12 weeks of doing it like full on, face was just like, Almost perfect. That's amazing. Just a few pin bricks. No cysts anymore though. The cysts were such a big problem, man. Yeah, wow. Is that and let's we'll keep going with your story, but is yeah. that
1: something that's common? Like that people reach out to you now having gone through a similar wow. experience with dairy?
0: If somebody would have just been that person to tell me, I would have skipped all that Accutane. So many people will comment or message and they'll be like, hey, man, I took out dairy because I saw your stuff two months ago or something like that. And all my cysts are gone or like it's a 70 percent improvement or something like that. Mm. Well, that must feel good now that you can give so, people that advice before they have to turn to medication. Yeah, that's like part of the reason I like to put that acne content out there, because I wish I would have been there for me when I was doing it. So now I can mm. help people out with their thing. Okay, so you took out dairy and yeah. your skin cleared up. Yeah. must have felt really good because I can imagine
1: at the end of the 74 week when, after that period when it came back, you would have been pretty disheartened, right, yeah, and gone through all of that. Yeah, and, and I'm like, what,
0: what's next? There's not another option,
1: yeah. so I'm just plagued with this forever, I guess. So so you did the dairy thing, and thankfully that worked. Yeah. Then I'm interested in, in how you've gone from sort of that point in your life with your nutrition to the then a fully plant-based diet? Like yeah.
0: what, what inspired the, the further changes that you made? Well, so I saw those huge improvements from taking the dairy out. And I was like, Would that. It, of course it has to do with the actual dairy, but I just feel like also the way that we like manufacture all these animal products and stuff, in, especially in America, it's like so mass produced, you know? So I was like, maybe I'm getting a lot of hormones from the dairy. And I was like, well, meat obviously has a bunch of antibiotics and hormones pumped into it because we want those cows big and stuff. So there's a lot of sale on it. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll take the meats out I'll up my veggies. That's probably good for your skin. and Drink more water than I usually do. Be more attentive to it, and then it just like made everything even better. Just those last bits of redness, those last bits of just white heads and stuff, cleared up even more and stuff. So originally it was completely just based off of trying to further my acne progress when I went vegan. But then from there, you know, you go and you see Earthlings mm. and conspiracy. You, you kind of start getting the other avenues. So that's all you know, the pillars. Yeah, exactly, man. So yeah, people always ask like, you know, what what did you go vegan for? And I'm like, I wish I had a little bit better of a story, but it started just for me. Then I started finding about the ethical and the ecological impacts, and then now I would say probably number one is ethical for me. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think there's anything
1: wrong with that. It's the health that opened your eyes up as soon as you were able to investigate a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Then you you know you were clearly tied to these other pillars, and I think that's super common. It's so common. I think it's very rare that someone enters veganism from sort of one pillar and doesn't start to then think about the importance of the other pillars. Yeah, I 100% agree. So was that transition, uh, a gradual transition of sort of, okay, let's try and remove chicken. What can we put in? Like, how did, how did that play out?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the dairy was easy, right? <laughs> For me, the dairy is easy because it was like really acne-based. And I was just like, the meat and stuff, you know, I could get away with eating some meat and not breaking out the next day. I had done some experiments where if I had a dairy, any like one serving of dairy within 24 to 48 hours, I'd have a new cyst. So like... The meat I could kind of get away with, right? So, like you're saying, it was it was kind of like a fade, a little transition to it. it like I live really close to the border to Mexico, so we have a lot of Mexican influence, and that's some good food, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, the, one of the last things was like carne asada fries. It's a really good thing. But now I just have like <laughs> the same thing, but mine's the carne, so I still got guacamole and like vegan sour cream and vegan cheese. But then after I got rid of that, then the last last thing was sushi. I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. sushi is their very very last one. Yeah, and, disconnect the fish from the animals, right? Yeah,
1: and it's and it's also. Also, right, you think – when you think of sushi, you think, oh, you can't have that without fish. But truly, you don't actually – it's not the fish you're tasting, right? You taste the wasabi, you taste the ginger, the ginger, nori? the seaweed, the nori, and yeah. all those flavors come together with the soy sauce. Mm-hmm. And that's the experience. I, I actually was similar. I thought, oh, sushi's going to be really hard for me. right? But, you know, truth be told – when you can replicate the texture of the fish in the middle with something else and you get all those other flavor
0: combinations, you don't know the difference. Right, man. Yeah, and it's really, it's really about having cold rice with that kind of like fishy, the seaweed uh, flavor. And then anything else you throw on there is just a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you make, make a few sushi rolls on your baby. story, mate. Oh, baby. I love them, <laughs> man. So good.
1: Speaking of Mexico, I've got a funny story. So yeah. I rented a car with my brother from San Diego one year and they specifically said, Do not drive into Mexico. If that's what you did. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. What do you mean? So, we're like, my brother and I are like, let's just go down and check out Tijuana. Right? (laughs) But we were told (laughs) that there was going to be a clear place where you could park before you got into Mexico. Now- I don't know if we took the wrong turn or whatnot, but all I remember is being on the freeway. And next thing I know, it was welcome to Mexico. and <laughs> We were in Mexico. So the car ended up going down to Mexico. We lost our our insurance policy, but nothing happened to the car down there. Oh, that's so that good,
0: that bro. Good. I thought that was going to be way worse. But it was fun. It was interesting down there. It is interesting. It can be kind of dangerous, but it is really fun, man. It's meant to be really dangerous, right? It's like one of... I'm not sure now, but a few years ago, it was like one of the most dangerous places in the world at, at yeah. some stage. Yeah, there's some real weird stories that come out of there. So, I'm, I, I'm a little like fear-mongery about going to Tijuana specifically. Other parts of Mexico, yeah, but there's some weird stuff in Tijuana. Like my <laughs> my friend got abducted. I won't go into oh. that whole story, but my friend got abducted, bro, and for a week was held hostage. Yeah. When was that? This was like two, three years ago. Yeah, man. But they were just going down there for like just to check Tijuana out people in san diego go, go down there because it's only 20 30 minutes to get down to the bars it's super cheap there so you get drunk there it's way cheaper and there's all the entertainment stuff that's like 10 a tenth of the price so yeah everyone just goes down and gets drunk but he just got too drunk and just wandered and just walked off and his friends lost him and then we couldn't find him for like a week and later we found out the the mexican police or whatever like got in contact with the american police blah 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 finally got him back but then we got wow. the story and he was like, yeah, I was just sitting on a couch in these people's house. And like they had guns. And they were so they just, wanted money or something like that. Yeah, they were trying to get some ransom probably because they were assuming his parents probably had money, which they didn't. So, yeah, it was. but yeah. it was just crazy, man. So, like, after I heard that story, I was like, mm, yeah, I'm good. I'll go to other countries.
1: So, so, go. so, friends, if you go to Tijuana, just have your wits about you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe send Brian a message before you go. Don't get too drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you're making these changes to your... Diet, you know, doing the whole chicken meat swaps, but you're also bodybuilding at this stage. And you talked before about reading, you know, things on bodybuilding.com. And and obviously at the gym, you you speak to a lot of people and you you pick up a lot of bro science. And and no doubt that's where the, you know, the gallon of the milk and whatnot came from. And we've all been through the bro science stage. Mm -hmm. So you must have had some fears in the back of your mind. Obviously, you felt confident that this was going to be the best thing by your skin. But did you think, okay, am I going to lose these gains that I have worked so hard
0: for? Yeah, 100%. I was totally in that like avenue, right? Where I just thought, yeah, vegans probably have like 20% lower performance level or something. You, know, you never know. But I totally believed that veganism wasn't the way that would be the most muscular. But yeah, no, I didn't see any, any differences. Like as soon as I switched, the I only saw positive impacts, but no, no negative things. So like I would, I would always wake up with like a lot of mucus in my mouth, especially when you're doing dairy like that. It's just mucus producing, right? Yeah, yeah. So like the full, full first hour of the morning, you're just like uh, clearing your throat and all that kind of stuff. I'd always be like super inflamed everywhere. My face used to be like really puffy. Call it called like moon face. And all those things like went away really quick. So I was really stoked about that. I had a lot more energy when I woke up. Uh, but yeah, the, as I went, you know, into continuing bulking and cutting, doing my cycles that I was used to doing, I was like, oh, cool. This is literally the exact same. I'm not losing strength. I'm able to get up to 215 and then I start my cut and I get down to 185, 180. It's just different food source, different calorie That's source. It, man. It's like, it's such uh, indoctrination, I guess what you could say, but just like conditioning. We just hear soy is for girls, mm. veganisms for ladies, bodybuilding is about chicken, meat, beer, milk.
1: Mm. It's like, and, and you start to associate meat as protein. Right yeah yeah
0: every meal (laughs) nothing other than meat is protein yep (laughs) yeah 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 totally man you don't think about the protein that comes through veggies potatoes rice beans any of that stuff it's just like i need that eight ounces at least of meat right yeah no so when you were doing that transition phase were you
1: focusing on on hitting a certain amount of protein how important was that for you because that's usually one of the first things that people think is oh i'm not going to get enough protein so how did you get around that
0: Yeah. So by that point, I had kind of fixed my idea that you needed two grams per pound you weighed. So I was a little bit more reasonable. I was trying to get somewhere around 200 grams. Um, So when I went vegan, I was also doing the same thing. And I also didn't know like a lot about the foods that I was eating because I'm just a pretty routine eater. I eat the same 10 meals over and over. So I was just eating like tons of beans and tons of lentils and tons of like tofu and stuff like that. So I was definitely trying to still get a ton of protein. And then as I went I realized like maybe maybe I don't need as much. And, you know, other people are saying, yeah, you don't need qu- quite as much. So I was like, all right, I'll start bringing it down. And so then um, right now I aim for somewhere around uh, like 130 to 150 grams of protein and I'm just over 200 pounds. Yeah, I've seen, and that's, you know, pretty, that's pretty achievable. Yeah, man, it's no problem at all. Like sometimes I'll just be like, oops, I accidentally went way over that. and yeah. I wasn't even thinking about protein. So do you, do you have... A sort of
1: protein powder, one or two shakes a day or something. And do you take any other supplements like creatine or any of those other sort of common ones?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I use Viva Life protein. I usually have that right in the morning with my smoothie just so I can get some quick calories in. And honestly, like I wouldn't necessarily use protein powder if it wasn't provided to me. It's just I really like the thickness that adds to a smoothie, makes it not so watery. Yeah, it's like, great. yeah, man, it's really good. But th- th- it's not like I'm like, uh, I need that as an insurance policy because it's impossible to get protein on a vegan diet. If I didn't get the protein powder and I would still hit those targets easily. So yeah, the protein powder in the beginning and then, you know, just like the whole foods throughout the day. And even like my vegetable intake will will add up to a lot of protein. Like if I have my normal amount of greens, like broccoli and like uh, broccoli. Broccoli broccoli and green beans and asparagus things like that I'll get like 25 grams of protein from it because I just get so many of those grains in so it's like yeah like you're saying man you only think of meat as protein back in the day as you start learning more about your foods it becomes a lot easier and you start realizing protein is in like all these different sources and then you're like wow now I can get protein
1: plus all these benefits that these foods
0: are offering baby holy cow this is good Mm Find out about things like nutritional yeast. And you just yeah. pound that on your pasta, bro. You get ten pounds, ten grams of protein right there. Yeah,
1: it's it's interesting that you mentioned the the inflammation or like uh, yeah. mucus to you know with with dairy. Mm-hmm. When I was seventeen, I removed dairy from my diet, and that was, I mean, probably a similar time to you. How old were you when you removed it? I was a little bit older. So you right, a little I'd bit done old. Done that, yeah. Things, so I was 21. 21. and I'd done that because I just connected every time after I was having dairy. Mm-hmm. I was just feeling crap. Yeah, I was feeling lethargic. Yeah, I was yeah. feeling tired, super tired. And and I was going through a similar period where all the TV ads were like, drink drink a glass of milk, it's strong bones. Yeah, yeah, and if you're like, I I just thought, you know, I'm playing football, basketball, working out. I need this. I thought it was a need, not a want. Right. And right. When I removed it though, that was like I remember the 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 drop in like inflammation and phlegm.
0: Absolutely. It's crazy. It's good, right? Yeah. Were you were you nervous about bringing it out too because you were like, "Okay, it's good for my bones." So if I don't have it, were you nervous about something like that? Yeah, I was a little bit. Yeah. I was a little
1: bit, but I I kind of did enough research at that stage to okay. know that I probably didn't need it. Yeah. And I didn't make any other changes to my diet for for a long period after that, but I did feel great, and that was like my first experience connecting what we eat and how we feel. That's
0: cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just I uh, just was so into the meat thing, right? That I just didn't realize that like, you can get calcium from, from vegetables. And stuff. <laughs> so yeah, for me too, I was like, I have to have milk every day for my calcium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. We just don't know much about food. People don't realize that you, you you know regular food is how people call like eating meat and stuff, but really you're just eating like the same six meals or whatever. Yeah. You've never expanded your horizons. Absolutely. right? Yeah. Talk to me about now, I guess, like the
1: basic principles of when you're making a meal or food prepping or, or whatnot. And
0: what, what are you concentrating on in terms of building that meal? Yeah. So it's always, for me, I need a lot of calories, like I said earlier, and I need a lot of carbs. I'm definitely not not shy of carbs. So it always starts like, what's the carb source going to be? And then that's usually going to be like what flavor is dictated, right? So if it's going to be potatoes, it's usually going to be like ketchup kind of based thing. If it's going to be rice, it's going to be something either like salsa or teriyaki. And so from there, then you like build the rest of the meal. So then it's like, what can I do with protein, right? So it'll be like beans or lentils or some sort of like tempeh. tofu, yeah, yeah. tofu tan, things like that. And then, and then, of course, I always want to get my greens. And so it's, it's basically kind of the same thing as before. It's just instead of thinking like um, protein meat, I just think protein, one of these like 15 different things that are amazing. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I haven't had a lot of seitan, but recently I've been having it and, yeah. and really enjoying it. It's
0: good, man. I really like it. It's good as uh, if you like slice it thin because it's kind of salty and use it as like a lunch meat. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it it kind of looks sourdough. like a sausage. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, it looks gross. Like <laughs> you first see it, you're like, the heck is that? <laughs> it looks like rubber or something, yeah. but it's really good. And
1: outside, you mentioned sort of protein powder and whatnot. Do you have any daily supplements that you
0: take? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, sometimes I take creatine. Honestly, if I'm not taking it, it's just because I forget for a while. I will take uh, for like a pre-workout. I used to take like hardcore, like super crazy pre-workouts or like I drink a big monster and I've kind of got like healthier with my mindset about things. So, I usually just use coffee as my caffeine source and then I use beets, beet juice, beetroots is really solid for a pump man have you tried the beet yeah yeah i have sure. Before, we got we got
1: to talk about this right? T- right tell me about the tell me about what you were doing with the beet juice cuz you were you were you were doing you were hooked on it i mean you yeah. probably still are but you yeah. were posting a lot about it
0: yeah I did or, like a little beet yeah. campaign
1: <laughs> give it, give us a rundown of the beet campaign and the inspiration behind that and why you love beets so much
0: yeah so I, I just seen um you know the celery thing that's been going around like the the celery medium thing yeah. where people are reducing celery uh, i would kind of seen a few things about Beets. So for just a minute, I saw it um, and it, and it, it n- noted that there was like a lot of nitric oxide that comes from beets and stuff. And it's really good for athletic performance. And there's some some small amounts of studies, and I was like, all right, I'll try this out, baby. My dad juices and stuff. And so he has like a, one of those super solid juicers that like obliterates and then he just makes the fresh juice. So I was like, all right, if you show me how to use that machine, I'll just go buy a bunch of beets and start juicing them. And uh, I started drinking it like about an hour before my workouts, letting it digest. And dude, like, Us bodybuilders, you know, you probably heard of like AAKG or citrulline malate for a pump. It's it's like. At least two times better than those things. <laughs> like by the time I'm done working out, I feel like my arms can't move. There's not enough like skin to. So you are you buying the powder? You're buying like a beetroot powder, or you do it? You buy the beetroots? Okay, so originally I was actually buying beets and then juicing them myself. But it takes a, cool. it's a lot of effort, bro. You got to clean that thing every morning. It takes like 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, dude, I want? It's kind of TMI. Maybe it's a little gross, but I'll just go real quick. I got a little, I know where this is going. I got a little sick. Mo- <laughs> okay, no, you don't. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I was driving to the gym, though, and I, and I, I kind of got a little nauseous and stuff. And I was trying to hold it down. And then I just like, oh, no, man. I like pulled over and I just started puking. Through, just like <laughs> red, man. It was going up my nose and stuff. And so, like, I got kind of sick of full beats. And so, I went to powder because it tastes a little less beady. And, and so, I've kind of stuck with powder because it's kind of like my lazy man way out of it. And is there a difference between the pump? Yeah, 100%. I'd say, like, if you're doing the real, real juice, like, you're, you're going to see, I don't know, I felt like it was, like, 30, 40% better. Wow. Yeah.
1: I read something cool about this, right? Yeah. So, as you said, there's there's nitrates in um, beets, mm-hmm. and, and the body converts that to nitric oxide. Yes. Right, which ends up giving you this amazing pump. pump. Yeah, baby. Um, also has a lot of cardiovascular benefits, right? Mm-hmm. But a common question that that people ask is that there are there are nitrates in processed meat and nitrites, and these have been have been researched and are known to be associated uh, with cancer and and carcinogenic, right? And Mm. a lot of people ask, well, why are they different to that in fruits and vegetables? Like dark leafy greens also contain a lot of nitrates. And what researchers have found is it's what they're coming with. So in meat, they're not coming with all the polyphenols and the antioxidants. And when you cook them, they convert from nitrates to nitrosamines, which are carcinogenic, Whereas from the fruits and vegetables coming with like the vitamin C and other antioxidants and polyphenols, they're not converted to nitrosamines and they're converted to nitric oxide. So I found that out. And I was like, that's pretty cool.
0: I didn't know that at all, man. It's like science lesson right science there. Science lesson. And and you're not cooking the, I wonder, would it make an effect if you were cooking
1: your beets? Even if you're cooking the beets, yeah. because of the presence of the antioxidants, mm. and vitamin C, it doesn't convert them to nitrosamines, the carcinogenic compound. It still converts them that's to nitric really oxide. That's really interesting,
0: man. That's crazy. Mm. All right, nature, everybody get on that beat game. You are going to have such a good workout after you do it. Now, before we get into the bodybuilding and dig deep, there,
1: yeah, it's not the only uh challenge or 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 type you know food that you've been posting a lot about recently. You you did a tofu, a soy challenge. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so let's let's go through soy why you did it. Obviously, you're getting a lot of questions about soy and, and estrogen, but. What inspired it and what did you actually do and what did you find?
0: Yeah, like we've all heard this myth a million times since we've like grown up, man, like soy is bad for you. It's gonna cause you man boobs, your testosterone go down, your estrogen goes way up, like we've all heard this. And so I was even in that fear mongery kind of thing when I went vegan, like I said, like I was like, okay, what? I'll do beans and lentils, I'll stay away from the tofu, right? And then eventually i like, figured it out that it, like it's fine i mean there's civilizations that have been eating tofu and soy for like thousands of years they're fine they like the longest living people anyways i was just tired because as a bodybuilder right people are starting to get into vegan bodybuilding so they look up vegan bodybuilders then they look at your diet and they're like oh dude you're eating soy like that's not good for you i heard right and over and over, you have to answer the same comment over and over the same thing. Here's some studies; check them out. It's been proven that it doesn't have any, you know, effect on you. And stuff. and so, I just had gotten it so many times that I was like, all right, I'll do a, I'll do an anecdotal experiment. Obviously, it doesn't prove anything. It's not scientific or anything like that. But it just felt like if I saw a video that said I ate 45 pounds of soy for 30 days. I would click on it. But it is scientific like it is. It's not a published, you know,
1: journal, but it's still it is a case study and you True. you did approach this with a, a degree of, you know, thoroughness because you were running blood tests, right? Right. Yeah. So, talk me through what you did and what you found.
0: Yeah. So, in the beginning, I did a blood test to just get my like baseline testosterone. I really tried to push my doctor to do estrogen and a bunch of other things, but she was like, "If if you don't have low test, we can't issue estrogen test." So, I couldn't get estrogen one too. But I, I got it originally tested. I think it was like five ninety six, I believe. And then I wanted to test it afterwards. So that it wasn't just me doing a challenge and then being like, "I feel great, guys!" Like that doesn't prove anything. Everybody says they feel great until they don't, right? <laughs> <laughs> X-Vegans. And uh, so, I, so I got to the end of it after 30, I think it was like 33 days to be proper. And I got the test again. And then it was 120 units higher. So like, I didn't expect that. Yeah, 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 well, I was just really hoping that it wouldn't go down. Because you know fl- you know daily fluctuations yeah, testosterone. So I was like, wouldn't it suck? Today was the day that I fluctuated like 40 points down. And then all the- And sleep and training. There's a lot of things I can yeah, Stress it. levels and yeah. stuff. I was like, if it goes down, you know, the carnivores are going to take this test and just blow it out of proportion, bro. <laughs> but yeah, it went up 120, which I, it was pretty crazy, man. Yeah. There um, you go. Yeah. And the video did really well. And it's like making its rounds right now. Plant-based news just posted. I'm getting all these people like coming in and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. It was fun, man. I like to do experiments because I get, like I said, I get bored with people's content. I get bored with my content. I'm like, like let's do something weird. Do you stick with uh, like a non-GMO organic soy when you have it? Yeah. Always extra or super extra firm yeah, and yeah.
1: organic for sure. Yeah. 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 And any other food challenges or
0: similar things on the horizon for yourself or broccoli, maybe? <laughs> um, man, I'm always trying to think of something new because it's always just really fun. So, like, on Instagram, I'll do little mini challenges. Like, I'll eat a whole raw onion as fast as I can or I'll do, like, a, a big spoonful of wasabi. Something that makes you as a viewer be like, what the heck? <laughs> that looks brutal. Um, but then, like, with YouTube, I, re- I really try to plan them out really well. so. I don't know if I have one right now. I think probably the next one will be some sort of like large calorie challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've done like those 15,000 like, calorie challenges. Yeah, oh, you've done a ten thousand. You've done a fifteen thousand, bro. I did. A, I did one that was Chipotle only. So it was. Uh, it was like uh, ten thousand calories of just Chipotle. And if you don't know about Chipotle, it's like salty as hell. <laughs> so by the end of the ten thousand calories, bro, I, it counted up. It was like twenty eight or twenty nine grams. Or, or twenty nine thousand milligrams of sodium. It was brutal, man. Yeah, it was brutal. Probably would probably wouldn't recommend that. Oh, I felt so bad. Yeah, uh,
1: everyday person. It's a good video, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it went well.
0: If you ever have any uh, any things you'd like to see me ingest, bro, as a challenge, you let me know.
1: Yeah, let's put it out to the listeners. If they, if you're thinking about something, let's let's send it to Brock. Let's send it to Brian, and let's get this yeah, let's get this next challenge going. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> as long as it's in the name of science. Yeah I'm all man. for it. I like, I'm
0: like- <laughs> experience, man. Using me as the guinea pig.
1: Okay, so let's let's talk about bodybuilding. You know, you, you mentioned before you started when you were like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. And that was inspired through your your brother starting with some, some CrossFit and a bit of rivalry there. Yeah. How has your training changed over the years? Sort of talk me through you know, the evolution of the different training styles that
0: you've tried and the results that you've seen. Yeah. So, like I said, when I was first starting, it was just like internet articles off bodybuilding.com. And most of that is based off of like people who are already pro bodybuilders writing stuff. And if you don't know most, most pro bodybuilders, you know, they're like, like massive, massive dudes. They're on human growth hormone steroids. They're like 300 pounds type stuff. So like the stuff they're telling you to do is based off of their body. You're, you're a little dude, right? You're natural and stuff, right? 130 pounds trying to gain weight. So I was doing a lot of those those workouts, which would be like completely isolated. So literally, there'd be like a day for just biceps and like rear delts, <laughs> no major <laughs> muscle. So yeah, I'd have like individual, i of six different workouts, but instead of combining and doing these splits, it was all just an individual day. And um, you were just hammering that out for how long? Like bro. years or? Uh, that's probably like the first two, two years. Oh. And right, because you're just doing what you can and you're seeing progress no matter what you do. So you're like, this is working. Yeah, I don't want to hear from you because I know everything. And you were just sort of like,
1: what, going in there for like an hour and just hammering your biceps. Yeah. So you would have been. Was that like it? <laughs> were you
0: also like the sore or the better? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole the whole bodybuilding bro science experience, man. Definitely just going hard with like the bro science. But uh, yeah. As you go, you like to learn more, and so you evolve. And then you know, I started doing splits and stuff, kind of like the the traditional bro split where you do like push pull legs upper lower you do like Mark toes, rip ripped toe, uh, is five by five strength program, things like that. So I was just trying all the different stuff. Like there's one that's called German volume training. That's, it's really good even to this day. It's really fun. Yeah, I just kind of like tried all the different things and then eventually kind of came up with my own little, uh, my system. And so I ended up for the most of my bodybuilding doing kind of like a combo of uh, whatever muscle group it was that was tied in with my shoulders. So if it was like a, a chest day, then I'd use like my front delts with that. So I'd do like chest, front delts, and then triceps. And then on a back day, I would do like mid delts, rear delts, back and biceps, and then a leg day, and then just repeat that. And so I'd do it six Bush, days. But Like a push-pull legs. Yeah, but just like with a little hybridization of like having the shoulders split up differently. Okay. Is, uh, that, is that what you still do to this day? So I've had like some really bad shoulders injuries and stuff. And um, over time, like with the injuries, I can't quite hammer my shoulders the same way. And so I've had to kind of split my shoulders a little bit differently so I can give them a little more attention and make sure that I'm using my scapula, my shoulder blades properly so I'm not impinging them. So I've, been ha- I've had to kind of like modify it as I've had to deal with injuries. Are um, these gym injuries or...? They're like a mix of everything, man. Like I, I just broke my wrist like six months ago playing soccer tennis. And so I just went for a really high kick and I lost my my landing foot and just slammed my head and my wrist right in the concrete and just like shattered in three places. So this has been like a bunch of different combos and like I broke my ribs twice and my clavicle up here broke. And so like because of these things, things get tight. The muscles and the fascia around that tighten up caused my shoulder to naturally internally rotate so i have to do a lot of work each day to externally rotate it and get it ready for my workouts yeah yeah some days it's more cooperative than other days and you've done a few competitions right yeah yeah so uh, i've done 3 now and i want to do my next one probably towards the end of 2020 i think okay amazing yeah man. have you got your eyes set on a particular
1: competition or location or
0: so i've always done the npc npc and then like if you do really well in npc then eventually you can maybe make it to the IFBB. and stuff so what's like that. the npc it's called the national national physique committee it's just the most uh, ubiquitous one it's, it's everywhere in the world It's like if you hear about Mr Olympia and stuff like that okay. that, that comes from n p c turns into IFAB pros so if you want to be a pro on the any major stage, you're gonna to have to go through n p c first, but it's not tested so you go up, you show that you show up on the day and you're backstage with all the guys, and then the dudes are just talking to you, and they're like what 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 stack are you on what's your what's your Is that a big thing like what percentage of of guys
1: do you think would be using? steroids or performance enhancing drugs in that competition?
0: Huge, man. I, I think like most of them, right? Because everybody wants to win and they're not not—they're not worried because they're young right now. So they're not worried about the future. They're like, I feel great. If you use steroids, I can get bigger. So yeah, backstage at those competitions, people always ask me what I'm on and stuff. And they're explaining they're on like, they're on Trend and they're on anavar and Winstroll and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm literally on nothing right now. Like, I feel not pumped next to you guys. You guys <laughs> look good. And this is contest prep 16 weeks in. And so I've done that each time, all three. And the last one, I really realized like, yo, I'm not going to do well here in San Diego where it's really popular. And because it's so popular, the people who are the best are going to be the ones who are on steroids. I'm just not going to win as a natural. So this next one that I do, I'm finally going to actually take the effort and drive to however far it is to get the natural one. Because the the one that I'm doing is right next to my house. So that's why it's so convenient. Oh, okay. But I'm not going to do well in one that's not tested. Oh, so you no, can first. go and do a tested one. Yeah, man. And they'll do a polygraph test and they'll do a blood test at random date. So like within a nine month period before the thing, yeah, they yeah. could just show up anytime and you have to give them blood or pee. That's cool. That way you can't like dope it and like stop four weeks out and clear your system and things like that yeah yeah i'm excited to do that because like this will be the first time i actually get on stage and i'm like there's a chance i might win here you know i mean i actually i'm actually in the competition because when you show up and everyone's on steroids man you're like i look like yeah then that must be disheartening if you are training your butt off
1: yeah and it's not a it's not an even playing field it sucks man but whatever. Yeah, what you, can you do? You I'm, just compete It's not part of that competition, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So it is what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like winning is one thing, but it's also really fun to just see what your body looks like the next year, see how conditioned you yeah. can get, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you versus you kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, man.
1: If someone's listening and they are, let's say they're new to the gym, mm. how would you recommend that they approach their training
0: Yeah, as a newbie? Yeah, I would say... uh it's really, it's really tempting to go hard real fast. And you have, especially if you have friends who are in the gym with you and they, who've been doing it for longer than you, they're gonna be putting up two, three plates on things that you can only put up like a, a 10 pound plate on, right? And so it's gonna be really, really, really uh, alluring to just start racking weights up and doing any form. That's where I was in the beginning and that's what caused a lot of my injuries, I think. So I would say be really careful, have fun and push yourself, but also realize when, when your form has completely deviated from a correct form to some weird dilapidated thing, Don't let your friends push you to do weights that you shouldn't do. Take it easy, take it slow. Do a lot of research. YouTube videos are probably your best friend because you can actually visualize it instead of reading articles. There's tons of information. And would you be saying in terms of splitting the exercise,
1: doing like a push-pull legs, or what would you advise for someone who's just, you know,
0: Fresh off the boat. Yeah. for the first time. Yeah, I would say push-pull legs. If you're going to do a bodybuilding type thing, you're trying to just go for mass. And then if you're not trying to do just mass, you're trying to do more strength. Then I would say definitely check out Mark Ripto's 5x5 five five Starter Strength. Okay. It's really good for like getting that base for yeah. all the compounds, deadlift squat. Bench. Yeah. yeah. And then perhaps for someone who's been training that may have hit a plateau, like how, how can you sort of shake things up and get out of that? Yeah. I mean... It kind of all depends, right? So if the plateau is because you're not eating enough, like you're just saying you haven't been able to gain weight, you just need to eat more. And you're like, I'm eating so much. So you're not eating enough. You just need to eat more. It's going to be painful. You got to do it. But if you're having a plateau in the gym, you might realize that you've fallen into some like bad habits. You might be checking your phone. You might have people texting you and you're stopping for 10 minutes. You didn't realize it. I just say like, figure out what it is that you can up the intensity with. So I feel like I see a lot of people going into the gym and they're just doing the motion. It's just like if they're doing a bench, then it's just somehow and they don't even think about it. They're just like trying to push it off their body and get it above their body. They're not thinking about like the actual muscle that's working and things like that. I feel like it's just because their mind is detached yeah. from the thing they're doing. You need that mind to muscle connection. You need it, man. You need a certain amount of intensity, right? Because you're 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 tightening all the muscles in your body to create like a base of support. And if you're being lazy about it, you're just gonna like let go your rib cage. You see guys like wobbling around while they're benching and stuff. It's because they're not like fully. It's so true. If you're not locked in, like I know. Myself, if I'm totally distracted by other things in my life, I walk out and it just doesn't feel the same. Yep. The session. Yeah, man. Yeah, so like I, I think just a lot of people aren't taking it like a sport like like going into it and thinking like oh, it's game time for the next hour I'm doing this as best as I can you wouldn't be playing basketball and then stop to check your texts Everyone be on the team would be like what the fuck you doing, bro So it's kind of the same way. I look at bodybuilding is like before I go in there I kind of clear my mind turn off the phone stop looking at like these distracting twitter updates and things like that And I just put on some sort of music or I get into a mindset of something that makes me like either intense or angry and I kind of use that. I yeah. definitely lift kind of like in a, in a in a way that like releases my negative emotions, my anger or my sadness or whatever it is. It's kind of like part of the reason I say like I'm such a happy person. It's like bodybuilding is a perfect outlet for all those bad energies that I have, you know? Yeah, yeah. You clear those distractions like,
1: like you said, Twitter or, on, or even broccoli's news program. Just <laughs> you got to watch that before you Watch you get that legit. first. <laughs> Don't not watch it. Just watch it first. Hey, you spoke of, just then about, you know, potentially if you're in a plateau, you're not eating enough, right? Yeah, yeah. It could be one of many reasons why you plateaued. Right. How do you work out how much you eat and do you sort of specifically count your calories and if you are wanting to put on weight, how far above your maintenance calories
0: do you take things? Yeah. So like when I, when I first started, um, I was a really hard gainer and so I just had to keep eating and keep eating until I started gaining weight and I just was taking in so long. I just never gained weight. And I was just like, I'm eating so much. And then I finally started gaining weight, but it was at like that crazy level, like 4,500 to 5,500 calories. Like that's a lot of food. You know, you go to bed, bed and your belly is like fully full. But then, but then that like taught me like, okay, it's going to feel extreme at certain points, the amount of food you have to eat. But if you want to gain, you have to do that. And so for me, I feel like now, because I've done it so many times, I can do it by feel. Like I can know exactly how like tight my stomach will feel when I go to bed, how like extra full I'll feel. And I'll be like, okay, that's, that's a surplus of, you know, between 400 and 800 calories over my maintenance. Uh, But when you're first starting, you definitely should track it and just keep going up and up and up. And then once you start to see, I'll usually say something like half a pound to a pound of progress a week while you're bulking, then like whatever that calorie amount is, like know that amount continue tracking it until you can kind of feel what that feeling is and then you can stop tracking for a while and as long as you're still gaining that half pound to a pound you can stop tracking so it. if you're gaining more than say half a
1: pound to a pound yeah you're potentially going a little bit too high and probably gaining a bit too much fat yeah, yeah yeah
0: and then it's just going to take so much longer to clean up during the dieting phase the cutting phase yeah
1: is there any actual benefit
0: from a strength and muscle building phase of, of going too high i don't think i think obviously you just have the absolute most calories that you would ever need to do everything, right? Then you'd have a little bit more, but that way you make sure that you have the most. So maybe if you were like doing more powerlifting or something like that or if, you know, it didn't quite matter what your weight limit was for whatever sport you're doing like strongman or something, then it wouldn't really matter quite as much. But yeah, if you're trying to make make sure you see the muscle, you don't want to be adding a bunch of fat, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sort of how much do you attribute your results
1: to gym and nutrition, you know, and and also other things like sleep and stress?
0: Yeah. I said those things are really important. I think in the beginning, we don't really think about those things because we're just so excited about the gyms. We're just trying to do the best workouts we can. Um, but I think they have a huge impact, man. I think a lot of people drink too much caffeine and they don't get enough sleep. And, you know, so many reasons, but we have like our smartphones next to our bed and stuff. We get up too early, start scrolling Instagram. Back when I first started bodybuilding i was I, I would say i'm more intense about it than i am now you know i have a girlfriend like s- things kind of changed how how you can structure your day but back when i was in the beginning i would be 8 hours of sleep period so if if i couldn't fall asleep that night i would make sure that i took another 3 hour nap in the day so that i was getting 8 hours before i got to my workout and if you don't get enough sleep not only like you're not going to perform as well because you're not as well rested but also you're going to release a lot more cortisol and the cortisol is going to make you it's not going to make you like work out as well but you're also going to lose muscle you're going to be gaining fat easier there's so much that's tied into every factor of All your life. stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. And there's so many other factors than just food and and um, and your workouts, but people don't really give those the the credit that they deserve. Yeah, really needs. I mean, for, for optimal results, it really needs a whole lifestyle approach. Yeah, man. Yeah, and like water is another thing that people just like severely undercut, and they think they drink a lot of water until you actually start tracking it. You realize you have under a gallon a day or or whatever it is. You could be a, a bigger, smaller person, but like for me, I need usually about a, a gallon and a half to two gallons to feel really hydrated from my workouts. And then you start drinking that water. Then you hit your workout next time and you're like, oh my gosh, it was 30 times better, man. Like, I got a big pump. And every single workout that you're doing under hydrated, you're potentially losing on whatever percent better of a workout you could have had. Yeah, you well, know, I don't know there's a lot of factors. Up. Yeah, You you mentioned
1: before about, you know, the... This, sort of area of vegan bodybuilding, picking up pace, it's getting more popular, more people are searching it. Yeah, uh, You must no doubt get people still coming up to you at the gym or, or through social circles who see you and see the muscle mass you're holding and go, hang on, you don't eat meat? Yeah. Is that, is that still something that, that
0: you're commonly – being approached with. Yeah. Just like two days before I got here, I was getting a Chipotle burrito. And the guy looks at me and he's like, hey, don't you go to my gym? And I was like, yeah, you go over here. And he was like, yeah, man, I actually stalked you. I have to admit, I went and stalked your account because I, I thought I saw you or something on the internet. I went and found it. And then I found out you're vegan. And so we got into the whole conversation with that. It happened a lot more in the beginning, I think, because... Uh, when I first went on on the vegan diet with, with YouTube and stuff, I didn't feel like there was that much content out there. Like now you can find mm. like tons like me, mine and Derek and, and John. So there's lots of people. Um, so I feel like it was really irregular for the average person. And so I was always getting talked about people, you know, wanting to try it out, but they're scared. Da, 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 da. Now it's probably like maybe half as much, uh, you know, in real person that people actually ask me about it. Cause I think they've already seen that it's possible. So it's not really like, is it possible? It's just like, now I just found that the, you're vegan but I've already seen like four or five other dudes who are really yoked who are vegan. So it's not like a question anymore of it if it's possible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it, it seems like it's not it's not an anomaly, you know? It, it seems right. like, yeah, this can definitely be done, which yeah. is great. I mean, then game changers are going to help that. That's again. what I was about to
0: say, man. <laughs> it's like documentaries come out and then there's like, oh, there's Patrick Babumi and he's like one of the strongest dudes in the world and he's vegan. Okay. Oh, there's the guy in the Olympics who's like our number one, um, you know, Olympic weightlifter. Oh, he's vegan. So like, even though maybe you're still not interested, it's not like this thing you've never heard of anymore, you know? Yeah.
1: Talk to me about the word vegan. I mm-hmm. I spoke to John Venus about his sort of temporary decision <laughs> not to identify with the label. Do you think there is like a negative stigma associated with the word vegan? And
0: if so, why do you think that exists? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's gotten better over time. I think when when I first thought about veganism, I thought hippies... It's straight up just like sitting in a, a forest doing LSD until you just die and stuff. You know, dreads, dirty, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's obviously from like the Woodstocky kind of era in the 70s, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and that and that conversation has changed, right? Because now we have people in all sorts of different avenues. You have athletes and stuff that are performing really well. You have celebrities and musicians. You have everything, right? And you got all the doctors talking about it as well. Yeah, and we have like those really popular documentaries that have blown up. Like, what the hell? So it's it's not super weird for people. But I would say like with any really uh, with with any like, like subculture, that's like got a really strong belief system behind it. There's always going to be people who are kind of the extreme versions of that with, with everything ever. Right. And so I feel like the people who are very extreme are obviously the ones that are the, the, the hardest to listen to. If you, if you're not vegan and, and you have an extremist vegan talking to you, it's like, it's really hard to break through that person's ego. Right. And so when people are, um, very loud about their vegan thing and or they're saying like meat is murder and they're yelling at you it's not going to change your mind as a non-vegan it's just going to make you turn away from it farther Mm. so i feel like there is a place for that hardcore veganism stuff i think it definitely does have a big impact on a lot of people but i think the majority of people it makes them think like that's a really hardcore group like if i want to join it i have to become hardcore it's instead of just thinking oh instead of Having milk, I just have almond milk. Like it's literally that easy to go vegan. You know, just making a slight change. But I think the public perception is that it's this huge thing, and you have to change your whole mindset and lifestyle, and and be really loud about it. Yeah, which you don't. Like I, I mean, I'll find out people who are vegan that I that I've followed on YouTube for a really long time for some other subject and then I comment and then they're like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm vegan too, man. That's really cool. And I'm like, see, that's what's up. Like vegans are everywhere and they're just regular ass people. You didn't even know were vegan. It's just that a lot of the loud ones are the ones you hear the, the most, right? Because they're the loudest. Mm. Yeah, I love
1: that. I mean, like I'm not, a, a huge I, – I don't wear T-shirts that sort of label myself as, mm. say, vegan. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is and, – and, and I – like you said, you know, there, there is a place for that. Yeah. And there's a certain person with Absolutely. a certain message and, and I completely respect that. I've always come at it with, you know, like if whether I'm at the gym or whatnot, I I don't want to sort of shout it at someone. I'd rather someone can approach me be like, okay, yeah, this guy's cool. And then they happen to find out I don't eat animal products. Yes,
0: Well, and that's, that's the way that anybody does anything, right? It's like imitation is the biggest form of flattery and and you do things to emulate people that you look up to. And usually you don't have a mindset change by someone telling you that you're wrong because your ego just throws up a wall. And so I feel like at least for me, the best way to change people to getting interested in veganism, actually turning vegan, is just to be a normal guy that they look up to who they think he's funny or they think it's like whatever they're watching me for. And then they're like, "Eh, and he's also vegan. So maybe I'll try it, you know. Mm. He seems pretty normal. I like him, you know. Yeah, it's just my approach. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same.
1: Yeah. And and that is again, I th- I think there there are other approaches where you know, wearing the t-shirt and then the activism that 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 provides or whatever whatever method I completely I completely respect that. But I remember being a uni student, and if I saw someone holding a sign or wearing a T-shirt trying to approach me, it was like I'd, I'd walk the other way. Yeah. So I think
0: I'm trying to sort of put myself back in the shoes that I was in once. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. Like, so, so, like, just for an example, if I started working out, and some of my workout partners, I just working out for a long time, and they all went vegan, they didn't really tell I need tell me I needed to do it, but all the dudes I was listening with were vegan. I'd be like, Yeah, I'll try that out. You know what I mean? Same kind of thing where I'd I'd go towards those guys, but just like you, I'd walk away from the sign, right? So, I don't know. It's different for everybody, though, because then I also had people who were like, I went vegan because vegan gains screamed at me, you know what I mean, on the videos. And then I was like, maybe I should check that that study out that he's screaming about. And so, yeah, different strokes, different folks.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, finally, so we kind of touched on this, but you came into this lifestyle from... a a health perspective and we touched on the the sort of animal welfare and and planetary health side of things is this something that you think about often now and is does that inspire and motivate you to continue with the content that you're creating
0: yeah i i am not someone who really follows a lot of accounts to like you see how like a lot of accounts will post like slaughterhouse footage and and they post a lot of stuff that like helps people go vegan but I don't really like need any encouragement to stay vegan. I'm never like sitting here like, oh man, maybe I should not be vegan anymore. And then I'm like, oh, ah, I just saw a video that re motivated me to be vegan. Still, like, I'm vegan for life, and there's not really in my mind there's nothing that would change that. So I don't I don't need any reinforcement to to continue to continue with it. Jeez, bro, I'm losing my words here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. Yeah, for me, it's 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 a no brainer. Um, yeah, I don't really think about it. Before we wrap this one up. You're, you're from San
1: Diego. Yeah. I was recently down there and I had some, some great food and, yeah. and I'll definitely be back down there in, in the future and perhaps some of the listeners live there or are traveling there. What are some of
0: your, your food recommendations? Bro, <laughs> that's a good question. If you're going to be in San Diego and you have the opportunity, there's three of these locations. It's called Plant Power Fast Food. Woo! <laughs> I've, I've had so much vegan food across the whole world and that is by far the best food I've ever had, by far. So yeah, you need to go there. You, did you go there? I went there, yeah. Did you, what did yeah, yeah. you get, man? I loved it. I don't know. Some like sort of, a burger. I got a burger and yeah. It was it was delicious. If you want my recommendation, when you go there, get get buffalo wings with ranch bro. Okay. <laughs> good. Um, and then there's some other good places, but like that one's so much better. So then I'd say second after that would be Donna Jean's. If you want like somewhere that's nice to sit down and be able to chat at a restaurant, then after that, honestly, like they're all really good. But those are the two ones that I'm like go there first, then try the other things. All right, guys. You yeah, heard, you heard it. Yeah. Brian, Turner,
1: yeah. Brock Lee, Buckley. It's been a pleasure, man. I love your energy. I love your passion. Love what you're about. So thanks very much. I appreciate you, brother. There we go, friends. A super, super important episode. And really a reminder that we all need to be really careful about the language we use and how we interact with others. It's always so upsetting to hear about someone being bullied. And if you find yourself being bullied, it's good to have strategies in place to be able to handle it. As Brian said, retaliation usually is not the best course of action. Understanding that the person bullying is really just reacting themselves as a result of their own insecurities and trying not to let their words or actions impact your happiness. You have complete control over what information you absorb and what information you let get to you versus what you choose to deflect and choose not to carry. Certainly a skill and one that takes practice, but I have faith in everyone that finds themselves in such a position to rise above and be the master of their own energy. You deserve to be happy and to feel special every single day. We all do. Remember that. All right. If you enjoyed today's episode, tag us in your posts on Instagram. Brian and I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have a spare minute and haven't left a review on iTunes and are an Apple user, it would be greatly appreciated if you could do so. That's all for today, friends. Catch you in the next episode.